Last week we talked in, in the book of First Peter and he talked about uh, that we have an inheritance that's incorruptible, undefiled, waiting for us in the kingdom of God. Uh, that Jesus said in John chapter 14, he says, I go away to prepare a place for you, that where I am, you may be also. So I'm going to be with Jesus. And he First says, can you give us a new body? Four? Yeah, that was, I'm, just, I'm just rehearsing and just going over what we did last, last Sunday. And you receive a, a new body that's going to be immortal. This corruption will put on incorruption. And we'll be young again. <laughs> uh, and we'll, we'll live forever and never have any more hurts or pains or anything of that, that nature. Um, then we went on and talked about how what Jesus said to be obedient children of the Word of God, not fashioning yourselves and not going back to your old lusts and fulfilling your own desires. But now we walk into desires of what the Lord has for us. The scripture reminds me in Song of Solomon, it says, I am my beloved and he is mine and his desire is toward me and our desire is toward him. So he, the Lord desires, his desire is toward us. Give us of that. And he says that, uh, but he which hath called you is holy, so be you also holy. In all manner of your living, all manner of conversation just means in all, in everything you do, be holy. It says, because as it's written, be holy for I am holy. So there's a holiness, the Bible says in first in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 9, it says, for without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. And we're required to be holy. Matter of fact, I was looking, listening, looking at some things the other day and People say, well, you just can't be righteous. So, you know, the people you know, nowadays are saying righteousness just isn't important. But 241 times in the Bible, it names people that walked in righteousness, holiness, blameless, you know, it was unjust. So there was a lot of people that walked holy and not walked righteous. And this knows the Lord spoke about them walking in righteousness and holiness. We also noted, uh, note also that uh, in 1 John chapter 3, it says that, uh, yeah, First John chapter three, verse four. It says that uh, because he had pure, he that pure, he that knows the Lord purifies himself, even as he is pure. Matthew five forty eight says, "Be perfect, as you fall in heaven is perfect." So the Lord has us to walk in that holiness, even as He walked. Be holy, be perfect, even as the fall in heaven is perfect. Then we go on down in verse eighteen. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your Vain conversation, some of your Bibles may say, from your empty way of living, uh, received by tradition from your fathers. So it wasn't Adam that caused us to sin. We, nobody caused you to sin. You made a choice, and you followed the pattern of our fathers who followed and walked in unrighteousness and sin and until we came to our end, like the song we sang, till you come to your wit's end and you cry out to God and he delivers you. But with the precious, but we delivered with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Now the story. Who verily was foreordained, verse 20, before the foundation of the world, but was manifested in these last times for us. Who by, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. We'll go ahead and read the rest of the chapter. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. 
being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and the glory of man is the flower of the grass. The grass withers, the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Amen. Pretty loaded. Uh, anybody want to make any comment on these? Any questions on these or comments that you want to make to the saying here? Uh, also, on Skype, be, be fr feel free to uh, speak up and uh, whatever you have there. How many do we have on Skype? Do you know? I don't know. It's not showing? No. Okay. Oh, hopefully, that's there. I don't see him up there. Uh, what about this scripture in verse uh, 22? Seeing you have, that would mean past tense, purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. There's a lot in that scripture, isn't there? We start out, he says, that you purified your 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 uh, soul or your heart. How? How did you purify? By obeying the truth. By obedience. Obedience is the truth. What is the truth? The knowledge of the truth. Yeah, the truth. Is the truth. Well, Jesus said, Jesus I am the way, the truth, and the life. The word of God, which, which is the word of God, the truth. By obeying what the word of God says. So how did you do it? He says, through the Spirit. That reminds me of the Romans 8.13. It says, if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of your body, you shall live. Mortify simply means to put to death the sin. Put to, you, you purified it by putting it to death. Also in James chapter 4, it, it also talks about that to cleanse yourself. So that purifying, that cleansing coming from the believer yeah, you can go there. It's a book right before James chapter four. He's uh, Cedric is quoting from, and he's in verse uh, verse eight. It says, "Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you." So there's a synergy there. You draw near to Him, then He draws near to you. You do something, and God is doing something. Yeah. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. So he's talking about a person that's uh, double-minded. He's to get single-minded, right? Mm -hmm. It says in, in Matthew chapter 6, if your eye be single, your whole body's full of light. So the single-minded, single and the heart we know is where all sin proceeds from. So if you purify your heart, wow, that's beautiful. Then you... Uh, you have eternal life because he said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God in Matthew chapter 5. But this scripture kind of says it all, doesn't it? And then he says, uh, How did you through the Spirit unto unfeigned or genuine love of the brethren? Look at 1 John. Hold your place there. Chapter 2 and verse 10. It says, uh, He that loves his brother stays in the light. He abides in the light. I want you to get there, Larry. 
First John's pupils of iron. There you go. Chapter 2 and verse 10. He that loves his brother lives in the light, and there is no occasion of stumbling in him. Because he's living in the light. Not going to stumble. Go back to 1 Peter now, chapter, chapter 1. We're going to keep going back to 1 Peter. So he says, see that you love one another with a pure heart, fervently. That's a lot, earnestly. Well, if we go back to Romans chapter 13, we talked about that love. That he's talking about the love fervently with. He says in verse 8, says, Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Praise the Lord. Well, how, how can that be? If you love, love one another, you fulfill the law. Well, this is why. Verse 9. For this, thou shalt look, not commit adultery, Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. If there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended the same, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So he said, if you really love your neighbor, you're not going to do any of these things. You're going to fulfill the commandments. Mm -hmm. Why? Because verse 10 says, love works no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So all the commandments are summed up in that. So if you break a commandment, Brother Terry, then you're not really, you're not really loving some. You like you're lacking love, right? Because if you have love, you're not going to do it, work any evil to your neighbor. You're not going to steal from him. You're not going to kill him. You're not going to bear false witness. You're not going to do any of those commandments that are named there. You're not going to break any of those. And with a pure heart, fervently. Anybody else have comment on that? All right, verse 23. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Comment, anyone? That's pretty loaded. Give me a scripture to go with that. First John three. First John three nine. Uh, he is born of God. He states what that what that man does and how he operates. Um, <coughs> verse nine says, "Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he's born of God." So what happens here? He says, he says in verse twenty three of chapter one of Peter, he says, "Being born of God." Not a corruptible seed. What would be, if you were trying to be born again of corruptible seed, you'd be fulfilling again verse 18 in 1 Peter chapter 1. That says, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your empty way of living, but by your tradition of your father. That would be corruptible. But you're born of an incorruptible seed of Christ. Christ will never corrupt. He never die. Lives forever on and on. So you have his seed. Now, the greatest thing that we, that we see in the Scripture, one of the greatest things is that when Jesus said, made promise over in uh, John, go to John chapter 14. 
And we'll start at verse 15. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. I, I just can't get over how clear that is. <laughs> what is so hard to understand about that? I just, I just don't get it. Because so many people don't, don't even think about his commandments. They just think, you know, well, I love the Lord because I feel this passion for the Lord. Or I, you know, I feel this like I love a dog or like I love something else. It's not that. He said, if you're going to love me, you're going to obey my commandments. Acts 3.19 as well. Okay, let me finish this one here first. And he says here, in verse nine, uh, verse 20, At that day you shall know that I am, I am in my Father, ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. He that loves me shall be loved of my father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. You just say to the Lord, how, how is it that you'll manifest yourself to us and unto the world, not unto the world? And Jesus said to him this. This is how the Lord shows himself to us and not to the world. If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my father will love him, and we will come unto him and, we, and make our abode with him, live in him. But he said, verse 24, He that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings. And the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. So that's pretty clear. The one that said, he says, the one that doesn't love him, uh, he doesn't keep his word. So if, if I'm not keeping his word, I can say I love him all day long, but I don't really love him. Because if I love him, I'm going to keep his word. So that's the same thing here. That's born of the incorruptible seed. By the word of God, which abides forever and ever again. You said Acts what? You said Acts what? 319. It says to be converted, which is similar to being born again into a body. You also got 2 Corinthians chapter 5 uh, about being a new creature. Yeah. Uh, all things have passed. You have Galatians 5, which talks about being crucified. Yeah, we've been all through the, all those. Uh, yeah. You also have. Uh, I don't quite understand. We just read verse 24, but I, I, maybe you can help me understand this. Maybe my version is just different. It's he who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Right. So what does that, what does that mean here? It sounds like it's, it's the words that I said, but that's not really my words. That's the Father's words. That's all, that's all it says? In John chapter 5, it says that Jesus would say nothing except the Father would say it through right. him. He, Jesus was the express image of the sure. Father, the Bible says. So that's, that's what he's When you've seen me, you've, you've seen the Father. Yeah. So it was, it was the Father that was speaking through him. He was one with the Father. So, so that's all he was saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just if you go back and read John chapter 12, it, it, you know, Jesus said, he said I, ju I don't judge you, but the word that I speak shall judge you in the last day. So that's what he's talking about. So he's saying, if you don't love me, you don't keep my words. This is not from me. This is from the Father. That's right. That's basically what he's saying. That's right. Do you think it could have been, too, that at the time he might have been speaking to Jews or the Jew, I mean, there's a lot of Jews, and they mm -hmm. believe in God, but they don't believe in Christ. And he was trying to say, you know, if you don't, keep, if you don't love me, you don't keep my words. And these aren't my words. These are his words. Like, if you don't love me, you don't love him either. These are God's words. Yeah, that's good because a lot of them didn't even know who he was know that he and the Father were one and that these words were not just my word, they, they were the Father's words. 
Yeah, that's good. It's a good point. Okay. Um, anybody that's else? That's really the stuff that really got them crucified by saying stuff like that because they took it as blasphemy. Exactly. So that was exactly the yeah because they were saying he was the God. Was and, and really getting him a lot that's, of trouble because that's what got him on the cross. Who is this guy? Amen. Who is he? What is he saying? Yeah. Okay. Do we talk about John three six? By being born again, yeah, born of the flesh is blasphemy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nicodemus had come to Jesus by night and, and questioned him, and uh, that's when Jesus told Nicodemus, "He says you, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven, or even to see the kingdom of heaven." And of course, Nicodemus, as everybody knows, most people know, he didn't really understand what he meant. He says, "Do I need to go back in my mother's womb and be born again?" And Jesus, that's what Jesus said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. You must be born again of the spirit. That's talking about the corruptible and the uncorruptible seed, right? Yeah, it, it, what you will enter, you enter into the, the seed, the incorruptible seed enters into you and you no longer are, are mortal, but your spirit is, is immortal, incorruptible, as it says in 1 Corinthians 15, because this mortal is going to put on immortality. Of course, it doesn't happen until we come to death course but we our spirits have eternal life even now yeah so i'm kind of confused a little bit because okay, we're talking about incorruptible and corruptible seed are we talking about from the beginning our seed is incorruptible or corruptible well what are we talking about crisis seed we kind of mixing two things together one thing is the fleshly the flesh part of us the meat box yeah. is corruptible it's going to die, go to the grave, return to dust. Yeah. Okay, uh, when we sin against the Lord, then we become corruptible. Flesh, right? Well, not just flesh, but spirit too. Then your spirit dies. Like, like when when the Lord told Adam, He said, "When you eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will die. You will you will surely die." And and uh, so He ate of it. And he had not just a physical death that was put on him, but also a spiritual death. In the same way, the scriptures, just like Adam did, if we do the same thing and we sin, then we, in the same shape, and we have all sinned. It comes short of where we had that. But then when you come to Christ and you're born again, like Don was talking about, you're not living after the flesh anymore. The flesh doesn't mean anything anymore, has no power over you anymore. You're not um, in bondage to the affections and lusts of the flesh, like it says in Galatians 5.24, those that are Christ have crucified the affections and lusts, the passions and desires. So that's over with. So you're going to live for eternity. You've got eternal life back. You're not, you're not going to suffer corruption soulish-wise. You're going to go and be with the Lord and you're going to receive a new body and you're going to be with the Lord forever and ever as a new creation in Him. And that's why he says the next verse, he says, all flesh is as grass and the glory of man as a flower. Since the grass withers, the flower fades away, but only the word of the Lord endures forever. So you can count on God's word, because it's going to endure forever. But this flesh and the glory and the pride of man or whoever he thinks he is, right. people forget, you know, that you were something, you know, like a, I, I was good friends with Lyle Alzado years ago. You know, he was a great football player uh, for the NFL for the Raiders, and everybody knew him. But now if I mention him, you know, hardly anybody knows him because because that glory of what the, we get in the world fades away. Uh, but, and the flesh fades away, but what endures? 
the word of the Lord endures forever, is what he's saying here. Uh, and this is the word we got, which is the gospel that we preach. This is the most important thing that you can hang on to because the word of, through the word of God brings your salvation. But without it, you have a very short time of life and you will see corruption if you don't turn to the Lord and give them so are we closing the chapter first uh first peter chapter one is there any questions or any comments on, on that um so that, we, that anybody wants to discuss everything you know, can we go on to chapter two moving right along all right chapter two then verse one wherefore laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speaking as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. If so be that ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious to whom coming as into a living stone disallowed indeed of men but chosen of God and precious. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is, our, it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Sion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious. He that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient whereto also they were appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past you were not a people, but are now the people of God, which, are, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, Abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. Mm -hmm. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evil doers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Let's stop right there. We're going to talk about that for a while. What is a spiritual sacrifice? Hmm. Okay, I'll, I'll give you an example of a spiritual sacrifice. Go to Hebrews. Chapter 13. And we, we, do, we to do this here. This is what we do in worship. Uh, it says in verse chapter 13, verse 14. For we here we have a continuing city, but we have we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not such sacrifices, God is well pleased. So you offer a, a sacrifice of praise. Uh, that, that is the same thing as what you're asking. You know, it's, it's you, you offer, like also in Romans chapter 12, it says that, <clears throat> Paul says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice. That's a living sacrifice, that holy and acceptable to the Lord, which is your spiritual act of worship. You know, so that you have the, the, the good and honest and 
perfect things of the Lord. So what do you do when you offer yourself as a living sacrifice? You're not living for yourself anymore. Yeah. I don't know, uh, but in the Old Testament, they, when they offered a lamb up as a spiritual as a sacrifice, the lamb got slaughtered. <laughs> so when you offer yourself up as a living sacrifice, your old life gets slaughtered. You're not you're not following your old passions. You're not following your own desires. Again, it's the same thing over and over in the scriptures. You become a new creature because that old lamb that oh you you offered it up as a, a sac spiritual sacrifice to the Lord, offered up as a living sacrifice. Um. Uh, uh, did that answer pretty much what you asked? Yeah, yeah. I was just curious because I thought it was maybe speaking of something else, but I, I get it. I mean, yeah, it's, 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 you sacrifice your life, and um, so worship is just a kind of a key point of what spiritual sacrifice is, except for look to God through Jesus Christ. Yeah, I get it. Okay. Um, also, we want to let me take these words one by one. It says in verse one, laying aside. All malice. Um, malice would be like somebody did something to you and you wanted to get them back or get even. Revenge, Revenge yeah, is what malice is. A, a good point of this, and, and then also guile is, um, let's see, what would guile be like? Um, like tricks, like deception. You know, it would be guile. Hypocrisies, we know what that is. It's saying one thing and doing something else. Or, you know, pretending. Envies is wanting something that somebody else has and envying somebody for something. What? Coveting. Coveting, yeah. Uh, and all evil speaking, he says, to do away with those. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Um. Uh, and we'll start at um, verse 29. Actually, you start at the verse 26. It says, be angry and sin not. Don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Um, so don't let uh, any anger stay with that person, is what he's saying. He says in verse 29, don't let any corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. So nothing ugly coming out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of building up, and may minister grace to the hearer. It says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. If the Holy Spirit deals with you and points something out in your life, don't grieve it by disobeying it. Don't let your heart get hardened or calloused. Listen to the Holy Spirit. He said he will guide you to all truth. Amen. He'll teach you all things. He will convict you of anything. But look at verse 31. Let all bitterness. So let me let me let me just give an example how the enemy will work. Bitterness is when you around somebody and you we've all experienced bitterness where bitter is like a sour taste, like a bitter taste. It's bitter, like you don't want it. And so if you bitter have bitterness towards someone, you don't want to be around them, you know, because they did something to you. Um, husband and wives sometimes will have, will, will uh, obtain bitterness toward another, especially men more so even than women. That's why the Lord says to the men in 1 Peter chapter 3, he says, be not bitter against your wives, you know, that, but to count them as, as fellow heirs of the kingdom and love your wife. Because a man sometimes 
The woman might express things more and the man may be quiet and he ends up getting bitter because he blows stuff up inside and he becomes bitter toward the other person or the other mate. I'm just using that as an example. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and all wrath and anger. So uh, he says to do, to not, he says, let all bitterness and all that put, be put away from you. So the next thing that comes is, is there's an anger and, a, and, a, and even a wrath. So anger can be where the person is angry at that other person and then gets to a point where wrath comes in where he maybe punches the door, punches the other person or whatever. You know, he's, the wrath starts happening. He starts going into a rage, and that's the wrath. Then from the wrath comes, uh, the anger comes clamor. Clamor is when the voice starts getting loud. It starts getting loud, you see, and starts... Yelling things at the other one. See how it works? Mm -hmm. And then after they, after they get loud, then they sp start doing evil speaking. Mm -hmm. And start telling, start criticizing the other person and start calling them names. Or maybe tell them how much they hate them. Or whatever. <laughs> Ugly stuff's coming up. That's, that's the, the clamor. I mean, the evil speaking. And he said, be put away from you with all malice. All malice is wanting to get, get them back, wanting to, to get revenge. He says, put all that away from you and be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. Powerful scripture. But going back to 1 Peter chapter 2, he said, lay aside all these things as newborn babes. Desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. Now, what kind of growth is he talking about? Is he talking about a growth that, well, you, you stop doing these hypocrisies and you stop doing fornication and you stop doing... No, that's not where the growth is because that person's not even regenerating yet. Correct. If you go to 2 Peter, uh, go to 2 Peter in, verse, in chapter 3 and verse 18, it talks about what the growth really is. Second Peter 3.18 says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. So when a person comes to the Lord and he's, he, he has a full repentance, there's still a growth that, could, that takes place and that growth is a growth in knowledge because you, you don't, we know in part, we prophesy in part until that which is perfect has come. So there's a growth in that knowledge and in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is that where the growth is. It's not that they're growing and they have some process of sanctification where they start to quit sinning. No, to quit sinning happens before the salvation happens. So it's newborn base, so forth. So now it says, to whom coming as unto a living stone, which is Christ, this allowed indeed of men, men have rejected him, but chosen of God, God chosen, he's precious. And he says, also, we're living stones now. We're built upon that house of the Lord. The Lord is the chief cornerstone, but we're part of that house. And when you read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you see that. You see the building of God. And the building of God, he describes as a body, as a human body. He said, are all hands, are all ears, are all mouths? He said, but he's given gifts uh, throughout the body of Christ, severally to each person, as is needed in the body. And those gifts that seem to be even more feeble are more necessary in the Bible. So we're living stones. That's why it's important that we as a body, we support one another, we help one another, and we fellowship with one another because we are the body of Christ. 
that is that is molded together in him. Uh, so we offer up, like Ben was saying, spiritual sacrifices where we communicate with one another. We give our time uh, to, to each other. We go to nursing homes or we go to peer part or we, and we give our finances. We support the ministry. Uh, we, we, we give our lives for one another. We lay down our lives for each other as spiritual sacrifice, holy acceptable Lord. And it says here, um, verse 7, I like verse 7 a lot. It says, but unto you therefore which believe, he is what? He's precious. When you believe the Lord, you, you, the Lord the most precious thing in your life, isn't he? He's the most precious thing in your life. Most precious one. But unto them which be disobedient. It makes a distinction here, as you'll see here. There's one what? The one that believes, he's precious. One that is disobedient, is the stone which your builders rejected. So if you, so let's just take it another way. To believe is not to be disobedient. Because there's a distinction between the believer, which believe, as we know in the Greek, it says fidelity, faithfulness. The word believe, like we know in right. John chapter 5, verse 29, says he that believeth that Jesus, Son of God, uh, has life, and he that obeyeth the Son of God has life. It's the same word. 336. Yeah, 336. Right. You've you got a good memory on that. <laughs> but, but, but I want you to see the distinction there. Do you see that? That it says that to those who believe, he's precious. Awesome. But to those who disobey, he's the stone that the builders rejected. So if you disobey him, you're not believing him. Right? Because there's a distinction wow. between the two. Everybody get that? You get that clear? Well, I'm confused because um, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. Well, the stone in King David, stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. Cornerstone, yeah. Okay, so he's talking about the disobedient, or he's talking about Jesus being the cornerstone? No, no, we, we're not there yet. You're ahead of us. Well, all I'm saying, verse 7, unto okay. you therefore which believe, he is precious. Okay. But unto them which be disobedient, I'm just showing the distinction between a believer and an unbeliever. A believer is obedient, an unbeliever is disobedient. Okay, because to the believer, he's, he's precious. But to them that disobey, he's, the, he's the, uh, the, the stone which the builders disallowed, the stone which the builders rejected. He was the... the, the the, dis, the unbeliever hung Jesus on the cross. They rejected the chief cornerstone. Jesus is the chief cornerstone of our house. They rejected him. Go to um, Romans chapter 9. That may explain a little bit better for you there. Hey, you know something else? I'll let you finish, but I'd like to bring something else out when you get a chance. Okay, sure. Romans chapter 9. Uh, verse 31. It says, But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, had not attained to the law of righteousness. Why? Wherefore? Because they sought it not by faith, but as he would, but as it were by the works of the law. For they stumbled at the stumbling stone. That's all it's saying there. He, he was a stumbling stone. As it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. 
Well, they stumbled at the stumble at the uh, at the stumbling stone, and they they fell and were walking in disobedience. They didn't accept Jesus Christ, even though he was the chief cornerstone of the building that we're fitted into. They rejected the, the chief cornerstone. Is all it's saying that they rejected Christ by hanging him on the cross, and that's what the disobedient did. Those that were obedient, those that believed, did not do that. They walked and believed on him and came to the Lord. Does that help you any there? Um, I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around that one sentence, verse, the second part of verse 7. Okay, well, let's go on. It's good. going to talk about that a little bit more right here. It says, the same is made the head of the corner. The stone that they rejected became the head of the corner of the building. Okay? Without that cornerstone, the whole building would fall apart. Because he's the chief cornerstone. He's what holds the building together. He's the head. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word. He's still that. Being disobedient. How they stumble? They, they, they're disobedient. Whereto also they were appointed. So we have today those that, that are disobedient to the word. So Jesus is a stumbling stone to them because he says you must obey the word. But he's a stumbling stone. They reject the words of Christ. They reject the chief cornerstone. Therefore, they, they cannot be part of the building. But those who receive and obey and walk in what the chief, the cornerstone said, are part of that building. We built a spiritual house, the Bible says. We were built up a spiritual house unto the Lord to give spiritual sacrifices unto the Lord. And in this house, the Bible says, it'll go on and says, he says, you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. You are a priest in this house. Uh, Revelation chapter 1. And uh, verse 6, it says, And hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So we are priests offering up spiritual sacrifices to God. Yeah. As we walk in the Lord, we've presented our bodies a living sacrifice, which was our spiritual act of worship. And we're offering up praises as the, as the priests now. He's made us kings and priests to offer those. Uh, and that, those are the sacrifices we offer. You had something you wanted to say? Yeah, the Bible says in First uh, John 4, 22-23, uh, talks about how whatever we ask uh, is given to us because we obey His commandments. And you just also clarified a point John 3.36 that believing and obeying are together and it says also in uh, Mark chapter 9 verse 23 uh, it says that uh, to him, chapter 3 of 1 John you got that wrong okay. chapter 4 okay thanks for correcting me in Mark chapter 9 verse 23 I think correct if I'm wrong it says to him who believes all things are possible Actually, chapter 11 and 4. All right. Okay. So, uh, so to him who believes all things is possible. And so... Um, you get close, though. That's whatever, good. Whatever we ask, you know, it's, it's, it's possible to us uh, who believe and obey the Lord. There's nothing that uh, we, we lack because we're, we're walking in... And obedience. And obedience. That's right. And you see, that's why you have those things you ask, because you obey them. Right. Yeah, that's a good point, yeah, in 1 John 3, exactly. Okay.
Uh, anybody else have a question? Don't need <clears throat> with, with that, you know, I've read it before about, you know, whatever you ask will be given to you, but that's... That's First John chapter yeah, 3. But I'm saying that's, that's the will. If it's according to his will, I mean, if I, yeah, 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 if yeah, I pray yeah. that I want a Ferrari, whatever. <laughs> yeah, that, that would go with James 4, which you're talking about, that if, we, if you ask Amos, want to consider it upon your own lust, he okay. said you won't have so, it, but if you ask according to his will, sure. you'll have what you ask because you keep his commandments. And this kind of goes together. It says that in, in scripture, it says about faith, you know, about, you know, we ask for it and we believe also. It says, and then tell me your interpretation of, um, it says that if you have the faith, you can move a mountain. But is that symbol, is that symbol, is it symbolic of something else or are we really talking about a real mountain? That's, a, two, that's, a, that's in Mark chapter 11 that I've he's talking about. I've things there. about that. Yeah, you know? I, I've always looked at it as the mountains of sin in your life. Yeah. You know, of, of removing not, that. But, but in the last days of the book of Revelation, since every mountain's going to be, be moved out of its place, you know, so, uh, you know, to take it just literally, you know, yeah. whatever the Lord has, you know, just, exactly. I'm not going to, you know, you can try to spiritualize it and say that, but I think in essence he's really talking about, um, you know, you could be talking about both. You could be talking about if there's a mountain that has to be moved and you have faith, it's going to be moved. Sure. Just like he said, if you have a grain of a mustard seed and faith is not be that moved, removed, it shall be moved. So it's, it's not a lot of faith, you know, because if it would have to be. But just to do it upon what you want, you know, like you said, you know, when you, he says, you have not because you ask not. Uh, because you ask amiss, wanting to consume it upon your own lust. But the Lord says, if you ask according to his will, sure. That you will have what you asked of him. And he said, You've asked me nothing yet, he told the disciples in John 16. Because you keep his commandments, you know, you'll receive of that. So um, that's that's the way the Lord has it. Uh, right. It's a blessing to receive yeah. from the Lord in that way. But, but you're right, you don't just. I mean, ask there's him. just so many different things that you can look at, and you just got to trust the Lord, hands down. That's, that's the bottom line. But even whenever his disciples try to cast out those demons on those people and he came back and said that and he did it no problem and they said well what, what's going on he says why couldn't we cast them out he says well this kind of it has to be done by fasting and some other things you know and they thought they had the faith but he came in and said look here's the deal I, he, he did it no problem but something you're lacking is amazing. right or did he say Bottom well, he also is, said before that, he said, oh, you're a little faith, oh, faith yeah. is generation, you know, and so there's a lot of things that are contingent on healings and on things happening in the scriptures. Um, you know, we, we know in 1 Corinthians 11 that uh, he talks about those that um, that uh, take the, the body and blood of Jesus unworthily and don't discern the body of Christ. He said, this, for this reason, many are sick and some sleep among you. So say you're praying for somebody and you're praying that they get healed and they don't get healed. Uh, I mean, Danny shared that the other day, you know, how... They were praying for this woman that was paralyzed. Yeah, she had all kinds and they went on and prayed, prayed, nothing happened. Sure. Then she, then it was revealed that she had unforgiveness in her heart. She got that right, then she was healed. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's contingencies upon prayer. You don't know somebody's uh, somebody else's heart that you're praying for. And the Holy that's what the Holy Spirit does. He reveals what we need to do at the time, whether to do it or not. Paul even said, he says, I left Hermenia sick in Philetus. You know, there was sometimes that the Lord just didn't heal. Jesus said he couldn't do many miracles in certain places he wanted because of their unbelief. Sure. You know, so there's a lot of contingencies that are placed in that. And also Jesus came showing miracles that he was 
signs and wonders followed that people would believe him. He said, believe me for my work's sake. You don't believe me for my words. I mean, that's really, that's really how I see in my walk that people, they say they believe, but you don't, they don't, you can't, you don't believe. You live this certain lifestyle and, and you continue to walk in darkness and you say you believe, you don't really, there's no way you can really believe and have no fear of God, period. If you look up the word believe in the, in the Greek, it actually means fidelity, faithfulness. So really to believe you, you're walking in faithfulness to the Lord and you're walking in, in a fidelity with the Lord. It's not the head belief that so many people proclaim. Um, you know, he, like he said, he, he believes um, the Son of God overcomes the world in 1 John chapter 5. So if you, re if you really believe him, you overcome the world. You're not defeated in sin. Yeah. You, know, you, you know, people sometimes think of believe as, as a, a historical belief or something that they believed on Jesus. That's not the belief that the scripture talks about, uh, that it talks about believing towards salvation. The Bible says in, in, in Romans chapter 10, that you must believe unto righteousness. Yeah. If that belief is not causing righteousness in your life, you it's, not a, it's not a true belief. Sure. Would you say, Cedric? Form. Form. Is hurting so bad right now. Huh? A wrist. It's hurting me so bad. Right wrist? Yeah, like I want to cry right now. Like it's hurting me so bad. My what did you do to your wrist? Working at my job, we constantly lifting heavy equipment. And I don't have a wristband, a wrist brace. Let's just pray, pray, pray. We're going to pray for you, don't you? Know, McCoy. Let's just pray right now for everybody going in and let's just uh, lift up Cedric's wrist. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I just ask you to touch him right now, Father. You said you bore our pains and carried our sorrows. Lord, we give this pain to you, Lord Jesus, for by your stripes you were healed. In the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, touch him, Lord. Let your healing virtue go through his wrist right now. Take it away, Lord. Yes, Lord. Let that virtue go. Healed. Be healed in the name of Jesus Christ. Be healed in the name of Jesus Christ. I come against all the demonic and dark forces of hell. You'll not let pain and affliction be upon my brother. In Jesus' name. Thank you. Second book of Jeremiah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Amen. Well, what That's you, a strong scripture. So you know, you've seen it many a times in scripture. It says a form of godliness. That's pretty much seemingly what we have going on in life is a form of godliness in their action to deny him. Well, I think you talk about First Timothy. I've read it several places. I believe. Yeah, the way it's put there, it's not a very good thing. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's yeah. not. It's a form of God that just means kind of like, I believe in God. For Second Timothy chapter 3 is what you're talking about. And also in First Peter, in Second Peter chapter 2, it also talks about this anyway. Um, but in, in the Second Timothy chapter 3, it says, that, just know that also in the last days, which is what we live in, in the last hour. A dangerous time shall come. The danger is, is that they, is that they preach in a deceptive gospel, which is not a gospel at all. And we know what that is. 
For many shall be lovers of their own selves. We see that. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to their parents. Unthankful, unholy, mm. without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. A lot of people don't have enough desire. It's like that guy the other day that ended up dying. He didn't have enough desire. And I see that all the time with people that come here and go. They, they don't have enough desire to really want it bad enough. So every time something comes up or an excuse, they're not here. Yeah. They're somewhere else. They may want to go somewhere where they can get their ear tickled yeah. and feel like, hey, I went to church today. I'm, I'm good to go. Yeah. You know, but they, because they, they don't, they love pleasure more than they love God. That's, nice. that's, you know, that's nice. bottom line. That's why there's no kind of great many people that really seek out his word. Listen, the Bible says it's the glory of God to conceal the thing, but to honor a king to seek out a matter. And the Lord says, if you will search me with all your heart, I will be found. Most people don't have that kind of desire to do that. I have a question. What does he mean by conceal the thing? Conceal means he hides it. The glory of God. Yeah, and you have to search it out. <laughs> He's, because he, wants, he only wants those that really want him. There has to be a, a, enough desire there. So it says, having a form of godliness, mm -hmm. but deny the power thereof from such turn away. So they, they, they look like, on the outside they look good, but on the inside they're rotten. They don't, don't hang around those people. Yeah. Don't be around that. So 2 second, second Peter chapter 2 describes that a lot. He said, he, he goes into, and we get ahead of ourselves, but I, just an answer to your, to your comment. In 2 Peter chapter 2, it, it talks a lot about those that, that deny the one that even bought them. Um, it talks about they followed, and they make merchandise of those that try to talk against their doctrine. But it talks about they sinned. And he said, if God, verse 4 of chapter 2, it says, for God spared not the angels that sinned. Angels was, man, that was, that was right there with him, man. That was like, he loved the angels. He didn't want to see them depart. Those were the angels. He said, but if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them in the chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world when Noah, you know, some people say, well, you know, love's going to say going to be saved. You know, and God's got it all. He knows everything in the future, and He knows whether you're going to do this and that. But I was thinking the other day. Here, here, all the people in that generation died in a flood, right? Oh, yeah. Except for Noah and, and his family, immediate family. And it said after that, it said he repented. The reason God did, he said he repented God that He had made man. <laughs> now, if God really was in the position that He knew what was going to happen to begin with, why did He make it? If he came back and repented, then he made it. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So somehow God limits himself into knowing, into the the future knowledge, into saying it repented God. He said, it repented me that I made man. And he destroyed them all. Yeah. He said, so God destroyed the whole generation, all of them, except for really one man. And he said his, his family, probably because of him. His family, obviously, when he got off the ark, you can see they weren't really following the Lord either. Do you think that the Lord, God, God would plan the Father? Do you think that He would plan that, like, like, like He would, like He would, in His Word, knew all things and or or what have you, that He 
myself for doing this. Like you think that's what I'm saying. I, I don't see that. I, I see it different. I know in Psalm it says that Moses prayed to God, and God changed his mind. He was going to yeah. destroy the generation, and God and he moved God to change his mind. It almost happened again if it weren't for Moses. Yeah, yeah. God, God repented. Yeah, God repented. He changed his mind. <laughs> you can't get that. Uh, that's amazing to me. Yeah, I read that repent means ago. change of mind. God he said he repented. Direction. He changed he was his mind. Destroy all the children of Israel. Huh? So that's the King James. So repented doesn't mean that I'm sorry for doing that. You're saying just to change the two if you repent too. Well, the scripture says when you look up the word repentance in the Greek, whether it's King James or whatever it is, uh -huh. it, it says change your mind, change your heart, which which results in a change of life. Uh, for instance, if you change, if you've been smoking and you decide mm -hmm. you change your mind about smoking, it says you know I, I, I don't want to smoke anymore, then you're not going to smoke because you have to change your mind. So it results in in that. So that's what repentance means. So when it says that God changed, uh, God repented, it means God changed His mind. That's he, so. he, yeah, it's, he, not it's not that He sinned. It's that he changed, that's what repentance is. Repent means change the money, change the money. I'm not going to do that anymore. I've, I've changed my mind. I'm not going to do that. Is that uh, uh, Genesis, no, uh, Exodus 32? And it's also in Psalms, too, where he, he actually comes back to tell and says that about Moses, that Moses has moved him to change his mind about it. But anyway, anyway get back to this. Uh, ben, in answer to you, what you were saying, I think it was, uh, Lot. Lot was a man in Sodom and Gomorrah. He was, the Bible said he was a righteous man. He wasn't living in sin. He wasn't living like the rest of them. But being around the children in Sodom and Gomorrah, he was, it vexed his righteous soul, the Bible says, day to day. But he said, but God knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation. And he delivered Lot out by sending the, the, the angels in, the, the ministers, to pull him out of there before he rained fire and brimstone on him. And that's likeness to us. He knows how to, even though we are in this world, and I don't know about you, but my, it vexes my soul to be around and see what goes on. And what we see, it, it, it breaks my heart. It vexes my soul. But I know just like Lot, the, Lot, the Lord is going to pull me out of this one day. Just like Lot, because the Lord knows how to deliver, the, to deliver me and to deliver you out of what we're going through now. And bring those unjust unto the day of judgment. But but it talks about, it goes on and it talks about these people that seemingly are religious and they're they're in your love feasts. That means they're in your fellowships. They're in your when you dwell, when you live together or have uh, have meeting with different He says, uh, they have eyes full of adultery. Uh, verse 14 of chapter 2. And they can't stop sinning. I like what it says. They cannot cease from sin. Well, what the world says, what the religious world today says, you never can cease from sin. Why would it bring out here? They can't cease from sin. They can't stop sinning because they just walk in their lusts. Yeah. So here, here's a question. This is the daily deal in my life. What is our response to be? To what is our response to be? You're around this stuff, and of course you're not of the world, but. You, you, you live in it, you walk in it, I see it, I, I deal with it, it's life. What is the response supposed to be? And I know that the Bible says that love is the fulfillment. So and then it turns around and says, you're, you're not even to eat for the people. So it's a very kind of like, 
What is your response to it? You know? I think it's more like Ezekiel says. If you see a see someone uh, sin a sin that's unto death, go to him. You know, uh, if you see someone sin, uh, deliver, deliver his blood even, from your hands. What if they're not even a believer? They it doesn't matter. That. It's so, if, matter. so if, <laughs> if, if you see a man sin, sin a sin, okay. the Lord direct you to go to them and to warn them that he that sins shall die, will perish. Then we, we're, we're called to do that. That's why I said preach the gospel. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long right. suffering. And so that, yeah, and I, and I know. Okay, so you're walking at a Walmart. You see a, a guy go run to a woman. He, she, he takes, I don't know, he does either a crime. And it's a sin unto death, right? That would be a sin unto death. Your response is to go to that person or get get out of there? What does the Holy Spirit tell you to do? I, I don't know. What do you, the Holy Spirit tell me to do at that point? I don't know. I'm just yeah, trying yeah, but, to. But she's got a point, and that is, you know, the, the we we have the Holy Spirit that lives in yeah. us, and He will correct at any particular point. The Bible says, First Minions are led by the Spirit of God. These are the sons of God. I, I just, I just what, what I'm kind of getting at is in my daily walk, I deal with a lot of people that have a lot of real foul mouth that comes out, and they don't even know that they're doing it because they're just completely walking in darkness, is what it is. What is the response of the man of God in business? I mean, you don't want to participate with it. You don't want to go on a sales meeting when they turn a movie on that's rated R and you walk out of there because that's what I'm going to do. And they're going to look at you like you're crazy, and that's fine. So be it because I'm here to please God, not man. But that's just life, real life. We look for opportunities to be able to share and to be able to have an opportunity to be able to build open up with them. And I, I do it wherever I go, you know, whether it's gym or wherever. And some of them look at me, some of them, uh, you know, whatever. But that's okay because Scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he said, one man plants, another man waters, and God gives the increase. So you're either planting or you're watering, but God's got to end up doing the work with them. So that's our, our job is to plant and to water wherever we go, whatever we're doing, and look for those opportunities to be able to share the gospel with them. You know, and then if somebody rejects it, you don't cast your pearls before the swine. You move on and go to the next. You know, that's what we that's how our lives are lived. Um, but anyway, it says they can't stop and sit in unstable souls. They're cursed children. They've forsaken the right way and gone astray. Um, they love the wages of unrighteousness. Uh, these are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest to whom the mist of darkness is ready forever. So you ever see like a, a cloud and it looks like it's going to rain, but it's dry? Mm. It's kind of like people. It looks, they look like a Christian. Sometimes they even sound like one, but there's no substance. Not, there's no fruit. As he was eleven. Yeah, exactly. So it's like a cloud. It's carried about with the tempest. It's like a well. It looks like a well. It's got a thing going down in the well, but it's dry. There's no water in it. There's no, there's, it's like the ten virgins. There's, there's no oil in the lamp, you know. So, um, so then he says, this is kind of the same thing you were talking about. He says, while they promised them liberty, freedom, they themselves are servants of corruption. Like they have a form of godliness. They promised Oh, freedom. And I, 